0: Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice, and I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. I know I say this every time, but I'm going to say it again. We started this podcast because we love the Christian Reformed Church, and we want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. And every time Reformation happens, it's messy. We're having conversations with pastors throughout the CRC to talk about what's going on in our denomination right now and about what Reformation might look like. If you're not a member of the CRC, stick around anyways because I guarantee you the conversations we have here will apply to your denomination too. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every Monday. And if you like what you're hearing, share this on social media to help get these conversations out there. With all of that said, we're going to get to this week's episode where we interview Carrie Gephardt. So, Carrie, why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about who you are, uh, where you're at, what church you're in.
1: Yeah, so uh, my name is Kerry Gephardt. Um, I am uh, an ordained minister of the word in the Christian reformed church in North America. Um, I am the pastor at uh, Cottage Grove Christian reformed church in South Holland, Illinois. It's part of class Siciliana. Um And I did not grow up Christian reformed or reformed. So um, I usually say that I'm Christian reformed because cottage grove, It's Christian reform. And so that's how I became part of the Christian reform church. I was pastoring a small independent uh, church in uh, Northwest Indiana and became convicted that the scriptures taught uh, Reformed theology, Reformed faith uh, and doctrine. And I felt convicted to go back to seminary. Um, I just had a Bible degree and a bachelor's Bible degree at that point. And I Googled, um, reformed seminaries in Indiana and mid-America reformed seminary popped up. Um, And it was about an hour, hour and a half away from where I was pastoring. And my thought was, you know, Hey, um, I'm going to go back to school and I'm, I'm hopefully going to take this church along this journey with me and, and we'll reform and uh, maybe align with the denomination and later at some point. And uh, about a couple months later, they booted me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um I hate it when that happened Yeah. They uh uh they said, you know, what what is it that you believe? And I was like, Well, you know, I'd like to sit down and just look at the Bible with you. And they're like, No, one you just want to tell us, well, well, I'm a Calvinist. Uh, okay, well, um, yeah, I don't think this is gonna work out. So, um it was a, a, a rough time, but I was already accepted the mid America at that point. And I was like, Okay, well, I'm gonna go to seminary. Um, but I want to know what I can do to to continue being, being a part of ministry. Um, cause I didn't have any question about what was that my calling in life or, you know, um, was that what I wanted to do? And that wasn't, I already, I was already doing that. So I wanted to keep doing it. I just didn't know, you know, how that was going to happen or um, what God was going to provide for us in that time. And uh, and how God was going to provide for my family, too, like a job, something to, you know, to provide for my family. So uh, the man who had connected me with the Mid-America Reformed Seminary also is the one who connected me with Cottage Grove. I had no idea what the Christian Reformed Church was. This is like 2016. So <laughs> no idea what the Christian Reformed Church was. I went to school uh, I went to seminary. There were URC guys. There were PCA guys. There were OPC guys. And they're just throwing out these acronyms. Like, and I'm like, okay, what's the OPC? Like what's the URC? Like what's this, what's the difference between the CRC and the URC? Like I have no idea. Okay. All I know is that God has just, you know, opened my eyes to the beauty of this, of his word and I'm seeing that there's these documents like the Belgic Convention of Faith and the Heidelberg Catechism and that that are just perfectly summarizing what the scriptures teach and are just wonderful. And I'm just soaking it all up, you know? So my experience of sort of coming to terms with the culture of the Christian Reformed Church and this, the distinctions of what the Christian Reformed Church is and differences of what the Christian Reformed Church is as opposed to other Reformed denominations was all sort of a, a process of, uh, learning it in my local church and then realizing that actually my local church probably isn't the uh, it might've one time been the best reflection or expression of what the Christian reformed church was, <laughs> but now might be, maybe a little, seems a little outdated or whatever, how mm. people would want to put that, you know um, but then going to classes level, you know, and experiencing it at a, at a, a more regional level, the differences in the churches and, and the similarities and the, and, what we're passionate about, you know? And then actually the first time I met uh, Willie was at, at Senate, I went to, I was a delegate to Senate uh, 2019 um, when he was a youth, uh, a youth delegate, right? Is that what they call it? A youth delegate,
0: young adult representative,
1: young adult representative, a YA yeah. representative right there. Yes. And, uh, and so um, as I was going through seminary, as I was um, doing the EPMC track, to become part of the, um, um, to become a candidate, it was all sort of just really tied to my local church, really tied to cottage Grove, which is a good experience for me. All my kids were baptized here. M- me and my wife made a profession of faith here. Like, you know, it was all just, um, a wonderful, and now I'm the, now I'm now in the pastor here. So, um, it was a great, wonderful experience, you know, but I had to sort of make a decision as I was going through this process, okay, if I'm going to be part of the CRC, like I'm not going to be a functional congregationalist, which I feel like a lot of conservative uh, people do. They're like, well, you know, our church is part of the CRC, but you know, we just don't worry about all that other stuff going on. Like we're just a, we're we're just a local church and we focus on, you know, gospel and, 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 and local issues. and, And, and I'm not downplaying those things. Those are important, you know? But I did, I had, I made the conscious decision that I wasn't going to be like a functional congregationalist in the CRC because I came from a congregationalist background. I'm like, that's not reformed polity. Like that's not what the church is supposed to be like, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, if I'm going to be in the CRC, um, I'm going to do local ministry passionately. I'm going to be active in the classes and I'm going to be active at the synodical level. Like that's, that's my commitment. And so, um, that's probably a much longer answer than you needed, but I hope it gives people a, a general idea of how I came into the denomination of, you know, I, mean, I think my non-Dutch last name probably definitely threw everyone <laughs> off, but we needed to clear that up, you know, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's all right. So my last name is actually Dutch, but everybody expects me to be Hispanic because my last name is R-U-I-S. So they think I'm Ruiz. <laughs> is it just, is it just Ruiz? Yeah, well, it's pronounced Rice, but yeah, it, it, some people pronounce it Roos in Dutch, but it's a long story on how my name went. So did you grow up in the church? Were you a Christian growing up or did you come to faith later on?
1: Yeah, so I, I grew up and um, I'm not sure if you, you'd be familiar with this, um, Jason, but it's called the Restoration Movement or the Stone Campbell Movement. Um, if you ever seen a church of Christ or, um, a lot of, uh, them are just called Christian church, you know, yep. um, that was the sort of, uh, faith tradition that I grew up in. It's not a denomination. Uh, it's, it's more like, a, you know, a, a tradition of beliefs going back to the second great awakening, Charles Finney, um, you know, revivalism type type stuff. So the church I grew up in would basically be sort of like your vanilla even evangelical. And you wouldn't even think it was anything different different than your sort of basic evangelical Christian evangelical church until you asked them like, "Well, what do you have to do to be saved?" And then they'd be like, well, you have to, uh, you know, believe the gospel. You have to repent of your sins. You have to be baptized by immersion. And you're like, wait, well, hold on. (laughs) You have to be baptized in order to be saved. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So like, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the tradition I grew up in. That's the Bible college that I went to. That's the church I was pastoring at before I um, became reformed and, and moved to the uh, Christian reformed church. So.
0: Yeah. One of the the questions I like to ask people too, who kind of grew up outside of the CRC and now came into the CRC was, what was your experience stepping into a Christian Reformed church?
1: Yeah. So um, I've, as time has gone on, I've been able to experience more Christian Reformed churches, but for the most part, I would say my Christian Reformed church experience is, pretty narrowly cottage sure Sure. (laughs) i mean that i mean that's just being honest okay Yeah, yeah so um you know in the christian reformed church there used to be a time when if you went to a christian reformed church in south holland and you went to a christian reformed church in california like they were the same basically the same kind of worship service same kind of worship order same kind of pipe organ you know same kind of uh blue salter hymnal it, it would have basically been across the line similar um and i'm i'm not saying that's a positive thing or or, or negative thing that's just the way it was um now there's such a a much more broad expression of you know, what a Christian Reformed Church in is. Yeah. Um, if you were to walk into Cottage Grove, I would say for a lot of people to walk into Cottage Grove, if they have any familiarity with Christian Reformed Church, especially its its past or its history, mm-hmm. they would feel like that this is a lot like what they remember. Um the the worship service to me was refreshing because um I could tell that it was um, it was more, it was not just about manufacturing an experience, mm-hmm. you know, it was about getting us um, to, to, to think about to uh, take in who God is, you know, and um, how he's come near to us in Jesus Christ. And um and so the elements of worship and our tip and in, in a typical cottage Grove worship service are extreme. Were extremely refreshing to me because I grew up with the, the bells and the whistles and the, um, you know, um, smoke machines and the, all that kind of stuff, you know, and that was the kind of stuff that I was trying to implement in the church. I was pastoring at before. And, um, but then when you just take a moment, and you look at, you know, um, the way God calls us to, to worship him and in spirit and in truth. It's like, I'm not saying you can't worship God in spirit and truth with, with those other, all those other things. But to me, it was refreshing. To me, it was something that I was looking for. Um, to me, I felt that the singing was congregational. So, um, I could hear the other uh, brothers, and sisters in Christ singing. Mm-hmm. And I love that, you know? Um, yeah. I I could uh I listen I listened to I, I went to uh what the first time I ever came to Cottage Grove and, and and led worship I had to sit down with another minister and be like okay what's god's greeting you know mm-hmm. what does that mean <laughs> you know I was like what's a benediction okay uh hold on what's the reading of the law like <laughs> they do that you know like they read the law hmm. in church you know, uh, so I, I had no idea. You know, um, but you know, as you study history, as you look at, you know, what Calvin did in Geneva, as you look at uh, the way that the reformers reformed worship, um, it's just it's, it's just historical, beautiful historical, meaningful reformed worship. And yeah, to me, it's been refreshing. It's been refreshing to to my family, um, and and you know, the thing I would say is. We're like, we're like that. We're at Cottage Grove. We're like that, but we're still not uncomfortable with somebody doing a special song during an offertory or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's, we're not like rigid, rigid. Um, You know, like some of my URC buddies were upset that they, they, when they found out that I wrote on a, on a whiteboard in our evening service, because the Heidelberg Catechism says that the word of God is the only thing you're supposed to use. And I'm like, the whiteboard Uh is not is an is an element it's not you know it's it's not taken <laughs> away from what's necessary it's it's yeah a, yeah but anyways i just give my friends in the urc a hard time that's all right time. yes
0: hey i i really do love seeing your guys' worship services i watch you guys periodically from time to time and get to worship virtually with you guys and i love your service
1: yeah yeah we i mean i i love it too you know um and I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's a lot more uh, of what we need. I mean, I've been going through uh, when I came here in 2016, I decided that I was going to preach through the Heidelberg catechism mm. the way it's built to do, you know, Amen. The, the, yeah, yeah. the Lord's days. And I had a, a longtime member come up to me, multi-generational member. And he said, I can't tell you the last time we went through the catechism in a year, straight through Lord's day by Lord's day. Mm-hmm. And he was just, he, he loved it, you know? Yeah. So we had, the uh, same I think experience. That's, yeah. I think it's interesting because it's like, here I am somebody who did not inherit all this wonderful stuff. And I'm coming in here and I'm being like, do you guys see what you got? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, th- look what you have. Like, this is, this is great. Like, don't take this for granted.
0: Amen. Yeah, I, that's the repeated one of the repeated refrains I hear. Um, one of the uh, kind of a funny story I always like to tell at at my previous church, we had um, there was a charismatic church in town, and uh, it things went really poorly there, and it kind of blew up, and a bunch of their members came to our CRC church, which was kind of interesting, and so we had all these charismatic people in our church, and uh, our church went through a really tough struggle with a pastor, and it got really messy. And, uh, and then talking with these charismatic uh, brothers and sisters, they came up to me and they said, this church order thing that you guys have is phenomenal. (laughs) Church, Church order is the greatest thing ever. And, and I laughed and I said, what do you mean? And they said, man, when we were in this other church, our pastor was doing things that he shouldn't have been doing and we couldn't get rid of him. There was nothing we could do to bring discipline on him because there was no order there. He was the law of the land. And, but you guys actually have policies to do it right. And just, and to hear people out. And, and I just sat back and shook my head and went, man, when was the last time I heard somebody in the CRC say, church order is glorious. (laughs) <laughs> um, because I think we grow up with it um, and we just take all of these things for granted. We take the catechism and the Belgic and the canons of Dort and, um, and church order for granted, like, Oh, this is just the way that things are. And, and, and I'm kind of sick of them. You know, a lot of times church order ends up, people get frustrated with it and think, Oh, it's just this straitjacket that prevents us from doing anything. And we don't really realize the, the gift it is.
1: Hey, that's a great story. I have a story of my own, okay? When I was okay. at that church, that pastor before I came to Cottage Grove, before I came to the CRC. Um, I organized my uh, the um, I organized the meeting where they fired me. <laughs> <laughs> I set it up. I called all the people. <laughs> I said the time and the place and the date, you know. And uh and uh, you know, so I think anybody who doesn't understand how wonderful a church order is, probably has never had to, uh, you know, organize their own dismissal meeting. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, and I so didn't have any, I didn't have any recourse. You know what I mean? I couldn't go yeah. to anybody to be like, this was not handled right. This was okay. not handled in a, in a, in a, in a positive way. It was just done.
0: Yeah. 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 It's uh church order is a good thing for sure.
1: So when, it, when you, it's used rightly.
0: Amen. Yeah, because it also, we can try to come up with all these crazy political ways to get what we want by doing, I I said, I've seen this happen over the years in the CRC, uh, where people do what R.C. Sproul called exegetical gymnastics. Um, They do it with the word of God, but they also do it with church order too and say, well, does that word really mean what we think Mm -hmm. it means (laughs) in order to twist it and distort it and try to get their own way?
1: Right. Well, you, you it, it basically, the you know, you know, Sproul calls it exegetical gymnastics. Well, you just turn it in, into an obstacle course. So that way you have to get through the church order before you can even start talking about what the Bible says. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. I thought that the Bible was our supreme authority. But OK, you know, let, we'll play this game with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it definitely is a gift. But um, well, any that's what Satan does. Any, Satan any does good right. Be abused. Yep. Yeah, Satan takes all good gifts and turns them into uh, into something that's destructive. By when we put too much emphasis on them, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I, I'd like to know more, Carrie. Um, you mentioned when you dove into the CRC, you decided you didn't want to be a functional congregationalist, and you wanted to dive in on the classical level and the synodical level. So. Have you been involved in uh, what, what's been your involvement at the classical level and synodical level?
1: Uh, so at the classes level, just uh, we're one of the churches that often brings communications or uh, concerns to um, to the classes. Um, I just finished seminary May 2019. And so what I'm looking forward to is being a part of a committee in the future, maybe home missions. Um there's some openings coming up in the the interim committee, so there's some possibilities there. Um, there's a lot of younger guys in our classes who are really wanting to do class revitalization, uh, church planting, and uh, you know, a, a class of sort of has a reputation of being a you know functionally um, conservative, but uh, doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, you know there's a lot of us younger guys who are saying, no, actually we we want to you know we want to be um people who are are standing for for what we believe in you know I, I mean a real good example of that is classes Ilian is one of the few classes that still doesn't see women delegates at classes mm. and um but a couple of years back, um another vote was taken to change that to amend that and needed a two thirds vote and uh the vote was 50 50 split down the middle so it didn't pass but at the same meeting that we said no we don't want to seat women delegates at classes we voted to send a woman deacon as a delegate to synod from oh. our classes so how inconsistent is that because it that doesn't... vote didn't need two-thirds huh no <laughs> no we don't want we don't want any we don't want any women delegates to to be seated classes but we do want a woman delegate to represent us at senate and there's also a delegate our delegate and the council of delegates is a woman so it's just like those kinds of inconsistencies you know Mm. um that you know some of us younger guys are saying you know why are we 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 look like fools when we do things like that yeah yeah and everyone else thinks that too so i mean let's stop being (laughs) inconsistent you know so uh, a couple of years uh i would have said this this past senate if there wasn't if there would have been a senate uh another pastor and i had sent a um an overture through classes that was that was passed to go to classes or through classes that was passed to go to senate so we might be seeing that again in the future um so you know it's active in those yeah. ways um yeah, and then, like awesome. i said i was sent as a delegate from class to to senate in, in 2019 and I worked on an advisory committee that had uh, a number of overtures before it, like the Kenism overture. Um,
0: oh, you were on that one.
1: Yeah, all the climate change overtures Oh, and um, a number of the other big ones like that. that yeah, wow. Yeah. So
0: what was your experience at Synod 2019? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask.
1: Yeah, so um, my experience at Synod 2019 was positive. You know, I basically had a lot of um, I had a lot of uh, fellow conservatives be like, oh, you know, your conscience is going to be pricked the whole time. You're going to be surrounded by a bunch of flaming liberals who, uh, you know, are just going to make you mad all the time. And I didn't go into it with that attitude. I was like, you know what, I'm going to go in here. I'm going to figure out what this is like. I'm going to sort of be a learner. I think everybody who goes on their first synod like does a lot of that. Yeah. But if there's something that I'm con- I you know I have strong convictions about I'm going to speak my mind about it you know. Um I was quoted in the banner for saying why are we dropping the second service you know? I was not <laughs> in favor of that. Um I was like you do know church order you know is something that we all agree to. You know, so if churches in our denomination aren't holding aren't aren't doing what our church order says, then what you're supposed to do is say to the churches well, you need to start doing this, not change the church order. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, I know that church order can be flexible and we can make changes as we need to, but you know um, I was not happy with that change. I'm hoping that maybe this synod, it doesn't get, it doesn't go through or we come up with some other sort of amendment to that. Um, But it was, it was a positive experience for me. Um, I think a lot of times conservatives in uh, the Christian reform church, um, get a particular idea about uh, women office bearers, whether they be pastors or elders or deacons, that is a caricature. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's unfortunate. You know, we may not agree uh, with uh, women in office, um, but that doesn't mean that we can't lock arms with uh, women in office on issues yeah. that we can agree on, that we think are, are important. And I, and I was... Uh, um, happily surprised to find a number of people at Synod in that category yeah. um, that you know were Christian sisters that uh, wanted to do right by our denomination were gospel minded and and um, you know were, weren 't happy with some of the the uh, the direction our denomination was taking and one story to to me about Synod two thousand and nineteen that really stood out was there was a task force. That was put together to make synod more effective. And some of that task force was making uh, suggestions, not suggestions, excuse me. Uh, They were saying uh, that uh, they they were proposing that it be required that classes send at least one person of color and one woman as delegates to synod. So it was a requirement, not a suggestion or not a, you know, anything like that. Uh, Besides the fact that, you know, um, not the all the classes in our over our entire denomination, both in uh, U.S. and Canada. I mean, there's there's swaths of classes that pretty much only white people live there. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying that to be mean at all. I'm just saying it's Iowa. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's, uh, so besides that though, there was one woman pastor who stood up and she said at synod, she said, if I get sent as a delegate from my classes, I want it to be because they believe I would represent them well. And that I'm a good pastor, not because I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. Amen. And I was like, so here you go. You're trying to shove all this critical race stuff in identity politics down our throats and you've got the people telling you they don't want that. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
0: So yeah. that was, yeah, that was a meaningful
1: moment to me because yeah, I rem- I remember not only, that yeah, I mean, not only did that shatter the caricature of mm-hmm. um, women in office that I think a lot of conservatives um, unfortunately have and I think that we should do away with, um, but um that was a clear statement to me that uh there is a big divide in our denomination between bureaucracy and the people who are in the church. Mm. And I yeah. think that's one of the biggest problems going on in our denomination right now. So and has been for some time. Yeah. So people think that Grand Rapids represents the Christian Reformed Church, the denominational building represents the Christian Reformed Church. Um, uh, this, the institutions like Calvin College and Calvin Seminary uh, represent uh, the Christian Reformed Church. And um, just the banner represents the Christian Reformed Church. It just really isn't the case. Yeah. In my, my opinion, I'm, th- that's my opinion. I'm not saying, I, I just think there is broad, sweeping categories and groups of people who are not represented uh, by those institutions and those um, organizations that um, in, in a lot of ways feel disenfranchised by what's going on in those places uh, because of their association with the Christian informed church. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in uh, so the last, so I w I didn't grow up in the CRC either. I would say I didn't grow up in the CRC, even though my CRC roots run deep because my relatives did come on a boat from the Netherlands and help start a, uh, Christian Reformed Church, so um, but but my dad left the denomination, but either way, so I but I've been part of the CRC for over twenty years, and and a part of a couple of congregations, but both of the congregations that I've been a part of definitely don't reflect, um, are not reflected by the opinions that are going on in the Banner, right? right. It's kind of uh, it's a our denominational magazine, but yet most of what's being spoken there. I would say would not represent the general opinion that's in the pew of, of either of my churches.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I mean, I have talked to people about um, the ups and downs of the banner that's happened in the past. Uh, I've talked to a number of people about certain editors who were in charge of the banner. Uh, There were times where the banner was really, really bad, where it was pushing, you know, uh, pushing things in the denomination really isn't the rule. Um, I've spoken to the editor now, uh, personally, and I think uh, I don't uh, I don't envy his job. No, (laughs) at all. Uh, I think it's really hard at this point to have any sort of denominational, um, you know, uh, magazine like that, that's going to represent the the broad spectrum of, of of crc right now and so it's like yeah. sort of like no matter what you put in there somebody's gonna somebody's gonna send a letter to the editor that says i can't believe you you know you did this so you know i don't envy his job um but at the same time you know uh i think that um uh, yeah i think there's a i think there's i think there's a a a push from the top down as far as the uh the bureaucracy of the denomination goes that um, I don't think really reflects um, much of what um, Christian reformed church people have in mind or are thinking about, or, you know, I don't even know if a lot of them would even have categories for some of the stuff that's, that's being, being pushed right now. So. Yeah. But I'm glad you didn't didn't grow up in the Christian reformed church. That's what we, (laughs) that's what the Christian reformed church needs. It needs some. Some fresh blood. Some yeah, yeah, some new yeah. Blood. I grew up. I not <laughs> No, no offense, up. Willie. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I didn't even grow up in the church. Yeah, I wasn't even a Christian until I was ten, and then we. I was. Uh, I became a believer in a, an independent, uh, non-denominational Bible Baptist church, which. All of those words put together sounds kind of ridiculous, but that's about the most accurate <laughs> description I can give of that, that church. And then when I was 15, we moved to Minnesota and then, uh, my dad decided to, yeah, bring our yeah. family back to the Christian reform church. So
1: to come home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, but I still had the funny thing that I've said, I still had this experience of, so I, I went through high school in the Christian reform church, um, but it wasn't until I was in my early twenties when I actually understood what we believed. Right. Um, and, uh, and came to a love of our confessions and, and our doctrine. And it, um, I remember, uh, this moment where, uh, my wife, and so my, I, I married my wife and she actually grew up in the Catholic church, which, uh, that was a, a struggle for a while there. I can and, imagine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, Either way, it, it, it's gone. It's worked out fairly well, but I don't recommend uh, starting off a marriage that way. Um, but eventually, um, she crossed over, became Christian Reformed, and and uh, we had to have this conversation about baptizing our kids in the Reformed church, and uh, we were wrestling with what that looked like. And I remember thinking. Hey, we've got this document called the catechism. I think it talks about baptism.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Maybe it'll be helpful in teaching us uh, about, you know, what the, what the Bible says about it. And I remember us going through it and going through all the scriptures that it talked about. And both of us going, this is really good stuff. Why oh, yeah. why haven't people taught me this? You know, why haven't <laughs> we focused on this sooner? And uh, yeah, it was from that point where I started diving in more and having a love for all of the confessions and, Shortly after that, we started, uh, we did, we pre we took their youth group. We preached through one Lord's day at a time with our youth group too, through yeah. the, through the Heidelberg catechism and got a lot of, got a lot of traction there too. So it was, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, I I mean, had... that's
1: kind of great stuff. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. You know, it's like, if you went into the churches that I grew up in and be like, so what do you believe? They'd be like, well, we believe the Bible. <laughs> I was like, well, awesome. Me too. What do you believe about the Bible? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we believe that you know, oh, oh, great, you know, so you know the the tradition I grew up in was like the whole no creed but Christ, no book yeah. but the Bible, you know, just me and me and my Bible under a tree, you know like the the founders of the stone Campbell movement they 're like here we 're going to do something awesome, you know what it's going to be we 're going to act like nobody 's ever read the Bible before, and the Holy spirit hasn 't been working in the church for thousands of years and see what we get. <laughs> it didn't go well. (laughs) I was like, yeah, we should stick with the apostles, Nicene, Athanasian, you know, Belgic confession, uh, Heidelberg catechism. And so, you know, people are like, so what, what are these things? I was like, well, you know, um, when you go to a church website and you click on what do we believe, you know, and it has a really short, like, statement of faith or, you know, whatever. I was like, just imagine that, except the Christian Reformed Church has that in three documents that are much longer and too long to put on a website mm-hmm. uh, page. But that's yeah. good, you know? Uh, yeah, because you
0: should know where you're at then, right? That yeah. it helps give us some ground to stand on.
1: You know, what I always say about the Christian Reformed Church um, is I love its, its universality and its specificity. I said, if you want to know how we we're, we're in line with the last two thousand years of church history, you can you can just read these three things: Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Athanasian Creed. We are part of the small C Universal Catholic Church. Um, we hold orthodoxy, but if you want to know specifically what we believe, that may be in indif- distinction or indifference from other. Christian groups and organizations and churches and denominations, then you read the Belgic Confession, the Heidelberg Catechism, and the Canons of Dort. And, um, you know, I think that, uh, I think that's a a wonderful representation of, of, of of doctrines. And, and the thing that I always tell people, I challenge people, I said, don't lose your universality, your brotherhood with other Christian believers outside of our denomination because you've got your eyes off of the Apostles' Creed, Nicene Creed, Athanasian Creed. And you're too focused on these uh, specifics. you got to always hold those two things in tension.
0: Well, that's all we have for this week. Stay tuned next week for part two of our interview with Kerry Gephardt. Until then, don't forget that this is Christ's church and he bought it with his blood. And he warned us that wolves would come in and try to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season. And keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.